Hey y'all, welcome to Life Coach BFF Show. Do you want to confidently parent your teen while remaining sane and still finding joy in your everyday? Do concerns of their safety, mental health, influences of social media and the ACT, as well as the act, frighten and keep you awake at night? Following a move, finding myself lonely, isolated, and drowning in the realities of parenting teenagers, I felt completely lost and depleted. After a year of sitting in loneliness, I knew it had to stop. I transformed my mindset to something I call living on green, and I'm going to teach it to you. In this podcast, we're giving all things to God, find beauty in the brokenness, triumphs through the trials of parenting teens, all the while finding joy in establishing balance. I'm your new BFF, Heather, and you're not lonely anymore. We're in this together. Get your axe spray out, pick up those dirty gym socks, put your lip gloss on, and let's do this. Well, hello, friend. Welcome back. I'm your BFF, Heather, and I want to remind you today, you can do hard things. We're in this together, and we're concentrating today on our thoughts. Ever heard of stinky thinking? Yeah, I sometimes do it too. That's right. Here I am, your BFF Heather, encouraging you on a weekly basis, but sometimes I go down that rabbit hole as well. And the stinky thinking begins. Wayne Dyer says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I believe your thoughts control your mood, relationships, happiness, success in your career, and ultimately your peace. We can't do this on our own. We need God. Our next guest has a new book out on thought life, which is sure to cause you to think about yours. I know it has mine. So let's get right to it. Our guest today is Stephen Arterburn. He is the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries and host of the number one nationally syndicated Christian counseling talk show, New Life Live. He is also the host of New Life TV, the founder of the Women of Faith Conference attended by more than 5 million people and a best-selling author with more than 8 million books in print. I can't wait to get to this conversation. Here we go. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Happy to talk about my new book. Well, thank you. I can't wait to talk about your new book, Every Believer's... (laughs) There you go. Every Believer's Thought Life. And so what brought you to write, what inspired you to write this book, Steve? Well, um, Marcus Brotherton is a New York Times bestselling author, and he does a lot of books with um, celebrities, their biographies and things. And uh, he and I, two years ago, we wrote a book for adolescents called Kirby McCook and the Jesus Chronicles. And it won uh, Christian Book Award of the Year, and not because of me, but because of him. He's a great writer. And so uh, we just sat down and said, okay, uh, obviously this is working as a team. What what should we do next? And so what's, what's the most all-encompassing, biggest struggle that everybody has? Well, it's thought life. 
Uh, I've had people say, why, why a book on thought life? Well, cause it's everything. And, uh, and there's so many uh, distortions about thought life. And we can talk about that, but I just felt like there's so many, um, so many inputs that deviate from truth, things that are good, wonderful, positive, lovely, uh, that we need a, a, a path to keep our thoughts focused on God and on things that are good for us versus things that aren't. Because never, ever in our history have we had so many opportunities to get distracted in our thought life. So that's that's it. It's just a book that I hope would be the most helpful book that anybody has because it's on something that is happening every second of your life. Every second, Steve, every second. And I feel like not negative thought patterns are what truly prevent us from living out God's purpose for our life. Right. And so um, let's say you were someone like me who um, I paid for an abortion while I was in college. And so let's say, um, and I was a Christian and the guilt and shame almost kill me, uh, literally. And so the Bible says that Jesus died for the, for my sins and Jesus died a long time before I committed those sins. So I'm free from the penalty of those sins, but I wasn't free. I thought about it all the time. I, I was shameful. I, I felt I lived in this shame. And then I heard this sermon by Chuck Swindoll. He said a lot of things, but then at the end he says, your past just ended one second ago. Why would you live in it? And I don't know. That was just the thing that, that started the transformation in a totally different direction. Well, he says, why would you live in it? Well, what lives in it? What lives in your past? It's your thought life that lives in your past or your thought life lives in a fantasy future that is never going to be there. Or your thought life lives in unrealistic expectations of other people. And so if we could start to reframe and redo our thought life, everything gets better. Now, let me give you a couple of misconceptions. First is John 10.10. 10. A lot of people say that that says the truth will set you free. Well. It kind of says that, but it doesn't really say that, even though that's probably one of the most quoted phrases from the Bible. But here's what it says. It says, if you follow my teaching, okay, so you got to follow the teaching here, Mm -hmm. you are truly my disciple. Okay, so now you follow the teaching, you're a disciple. And it says, if you follow my teaching, you are truly my disciple, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So now we've gone from memorizing scripture to set myself free. No, it's a good thing to memorize scripture. But when you live the scripture, you're free, not just having it in your head. Okay, so if my if I think about a scripture and then I ask myself, how can I live that out? That's different than just thinking about the scripture. How do I apply it to my life is what it's saying. 
Another uh, great uh, misconception is Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but let God change you by changing the way that you think. So um, essentially, people read that and they go, well, I could transform my life just by changing the way I think. No, it's let God change you by changing the way you think. God has to be part of this to change the way you think. So all of these things are part of a a redo or a reboot on the way that we're living our lives in our head. And boy, do we ever live our lives in our head. And I feel so, so bad for like a mother who uh, maybe her kids are 50, 60, and she's still living in regret over what she did or didn't do while they were children, when God doesn't want that. God, Satan wants that. Satan wants you feeling shame and guilt, thinking about all the stuff you did wrong. God wants you to think about what can I do for the Lord today? Yes. So these negative thought patterns, these loops that we get on, what are the steps to breaking those loops? Well, you know, the Bible says to, to pray without ceasing. And another concept pretty close to that uh, is meditation. And and so if you combine those, let's just say um, I, I'm all the time I'm thinking, I don't like my wife, you know, some you know, <laughs> negative thing. My wife's not fair. Uh, my wife's, you know, all this. So, um, so I could turn that into a meditation and I could turn it into a prayer. God, please help me to see the good things in my wife. Uh, Lord, please help me to focus on all good things in life because there are so many good things. So now I've gone from being a, a mumbling grumbler uh, with this internal dialogue to a guy that's talking to God the way God wants to be talked to. And I tend to be a little more respectful in my thought life when I'm addressing God. So you can literally be this angry, bugged, irritable person all day long, and you can transform those kinds of thoughts into a godly way of living because you use them as an excuse to connect with God. You know, the way liars stop lying is they commit to telling people when they lie. You know, they say, you look beautiful. Today. Okay, that's a lie. You don't really look beautiful. <laughs> you look pretty good. So, so the same with God. You say, oh, God, I blew it again. I was thinking how horrible that person was. But God, I know you created that person uniquely. Help me see that. Uh, help them have a better day. So that's that's a pretty transformational uh, way of living when you decide to make that commitment. Yes. And I found that when you take when you take the focus off of self yeah. and put it on someone else, that that will transform everything. Yeah, Gratitude you know, and my um my previous wife had an affair and divorced and so my thought life was uh, wanting to kill her. I just, I, I, but then 
So to change that, <coughs> I had, excuse me, say, I'm close to death. So I'm really happy to do this last interview. Um, but so to change that, I had to do some grieving mm-hmm. over what had been taken. So as I did that, eventually I didn't want her to, uh, to kill, I didn't want to kill her. I just wanted her to die on her own. And then I kept working. One more drink here. And then you wanted want her to start to die on her own. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but I was making progress and then <laughs> more. And then I just wanted her to have like a chronic illness or something. <laughs> <clears throat> but okay. But I was really working mm-hmm. in this grief process to free her up, accept her and I, and realizing that God was on her side because God's on any anyone's side everyone's side and so when i started to change that then eventually i did forgive her i was able to choose the mother of my child i was praying good good things for her but it didn't begin with me going i should really think good things or i should forgive her no it began with me deciding to do the grieving that a lot of people don't want to do then I could accept her as one of God's children. Then I could forgive. And then I could pray positive things for her as the mother of my daughter. So uh, a lot of times we're looking for that uh, quick fix, instant solution that just is never going to be there. And instead, there's a process. Uh, Jeremiah 6.14 says, they treat the mortal wounds of my people with superficial treatments. And that's one of the reasons our our thought life is so messed up is that we try to do these quick fix things rather than go through the process that we need to go through. I agree. I agree. And I have to tell you this too, Steve. I made a comment last week on the show and I said, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to have a conversation with anyone who is not authentic. And God brought you. So you are definitely (laughs) one of the most authentic and real people that I have ever had a conversation with or listened to. And I have to tell you, it's so refreshing. Well, um, thank you. But, you know, if I didn't tell you the truth, I really believe I'd be on the back ward of a mental institution because when I paid for the abortion, the shame and guilt caused ulcers that were going to kill me. And so um, I, I just need to be open because the secrecy is the part that, um, mm-hmm. so devastating. So, you know, I, I hate it that there are these wonderful folks that, that are so great and yet they feel so horrible about themselves because their thoughts were ingrained. These, these parents that tell their kids, you're stupid. You'll, you're not, ne- you'll never amount to anything. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how hard that is to overcome. Um, and it's incredible that someone is really, you'd have to say that's one of the most evil things a parent could ever do. It's the opposite of the way God created folks. Um, so I want to, I want to help a person who has just spent their life in this negative thought cesspool to come out of that and not be a, you know, a narcissist or egotistical, but wake up in the morning and feel pretty good about themselves. Mm-hmm. What role do you think that our thought life plays in our lives? 
well, it's pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have look, one of the few terminal cases of attention deficit disorder, and um, it's just the worst ever. And the role that that plays in my life is that I could be uh, doing this over here that's really important. And all of a sudden, I'm doing seven other things over here that are not important. At all. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and, and so I just, you know, my thought life is everything. And so I have to have to be able to, you know, with medication, therapy, all these things. <laughs> Those are interesting, Steve. Aren't they interesting? Yes, but they're not helpful. So let's just do this thing. That's important. Yes. And you, I love that you practice what you preach, Steve, because I heard you say that you and your wife attend therapy. Yeah. Weekly. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So I love that you are really living out what you're writing about in your books and what you're, you're talking about. So thank you for that. You're welcome. But a lot of people don't like me because like (laughs) what man wants to hear that another man's going to therapy with his wife every week. You know, I I had a guy tell me uh, when I heard that, I just thought that is the most ridiculous thing. He says a year now, a year later, now that my wife had been going every other week, it's really amazing. But, you know, I I talk about stuff that a lot of people don't want to hear about. Like I, I don't think that a man being head of household means that you're the dictator and the other person is the doormat. I also don't think that um, being in a mutually submissive marriage that the the wife should be the angry mother and you should be the little boy child, just the opposite of dictator doormat. And so um, what I've found is that the more truth that I say that people don't like, you know, they may not like me, but eventually I think it starts a little thought process to where they start to think, well, wait a second. Jesus wasn't a dictator doormat kind of guy. Uh, There was nothing there. And, you know, people talk about this passage in Ephesians 5 about submission. Well, there are about 40 words for women on how to submit to a man, followed by over 100 words to the man on how to die to himself. But both of those 40 and 100 word passages Follow a scripture, Ephesians 5.21, most, one of the most least quoted scriptures, which says, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. So when we think that we ought to be submitting to each other, and then there are 40 words to tell the women how to do that, and 100 words to tell the men, it's a different way of thinking about a relationship. And a lot of men, when I talk about that, they wish that I would not talk anymore, <laughs> especially when I, because I then I I talk about the tiebreaker rule. Yeah, you know, well, uh, we we agree on everything, but when there's something we don't agree on, I'm the tiebreaker. Oh, so if she agrees with everything you agree with, she gets her way. But if she disagrees with you, uh, yeah, you're the tiebreaker. So you always get your way. Tell me how that really is an, a mutually submissive relationship. So see, people don't want to hear that. But really, if you think about what is a God-honoring marriage, it's mutually 
submissive, full of grace and mercy for the other person. And you have a head of household who thinks this. I need to be the first one to say I'm sorry as head of household. I need to be the first one on my knees praying. I need to be the first one reading the Bible. I need to be the first one showing how to serve my family. I need to be the first one giving up my personal agenda for the greater good of the family. That's what a head of household does rather than uh, when's dinner going to be ready. That's <laughs> Not head of house. Announce the dinner as the head of the household. Announce dinner time. Well, I have to tell you this too, Steve. You you are what I call a me too person. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, that's when someone says something to you like, "I'm having problems in my marriage." And you go, you know what? I've been there. Me too. I've been yeah. there before. And so that it's so helpful. I mean, you can just see the stress dissipate from faces when someone says. Me too, because Pinterest, I really believe Pinterest has caused more issues. And that's why your book, Every Believer's Thought Life, is going to be so important and play such a significant role in the lives who read this book, because we are being sold a complete lie right now. Well, it's true. And, you know, you said that um, I might say me too. I've been there. But I think we need more and more people saying, I, I am there. Yeah. I still struggle. And, you know, my uh, team, we, we did a workshop in Oklahoma City. And this pastor uh, stood up and he said, uh, you know, as many of you know, I'm a recovering pastor who struggles with um, uh, impure thoughts and motives. <laughs> I said, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist. If that had been said by a Southern Baptist Baptist pastor, the deacons would have met that afternoon. Yes. Get rid of this guy. But then we stayed and they had a life recovery group and he ran the life recovery group. So he was just saying in the big church what he was saying in the little church. And he was saying, I struggle with it and I win. Versus other pastors who act like they're so far above that and they're losing that battle every day. So openness and honesty is really important if we're going to take every thought captive. Absolutely. We're all, I, I like to say that I'm perfectly imperfect. We are all perfectly imperfect. So it's yeah. so important that we share. So Steve, tell us more about New Life Ministries and how people can find your work. Well, um, newlife.com or 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Uh, we do a marriage seminar uh, called the Intimacy and in Marriage Intensive, and we have people that hate each other, um, and <laughs> we have about a 95% success rate. It's Friday through Sunday, and it's not just hearing someone speak, but it's they speak, and then you go into a group with other uh, folks. So I am just uh, praying that people would go to 1-800-NEW-LIFE or uh, newlife.com and find out about that intensive. We have emotional freedom workshop. Every man's battle is a workshop we do every month. So we do these transformational things. We have a radio program. Uh, you can hear it. You can go to newlife.com and hear it. You can hear it on about 200 stations, including Sirius uh, XM on channel 114 at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We have about a thousand counselors around the country and coaches. That's what New Life 
does. And we're in a partnership with Museum of the Bible. We've created a women's movement called Lumina. And we had our first meeting there and we'll have our second and third next year. And uh, you can find out about that at newlife.com. That is so exciting. You have so many wonderful things going on. Steve, do you want to show your book one more time? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Thank Every you. Every believer's thought life right here. Look at that. There it is. Y'all go get this book. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been a Thank pleasure you. and an honor to have you. Well, I'm going to go get a, a copy of Keep It Simple, Sarah, because my 13-year-old needs that book. Thank you so much, Steve. I hope you'll come back. Thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or have benefited in any way, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It would mean the world to me. Also, take a moment and be sure and subscribe because we have a lot of exciting events coming up and you are not going to want to miss out on anything. Come say hello on social media. Stop by Instagram. It's at LifeCoachBFF. Facebook at Life Coach BFF, and also we have started a small private group full of lovely women like you. It's called We Are Your BFFs. Come join. We'd love to have you. Can't wait to see you again next time. This is your BFF Heather from Life Coach BFF Show.